Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. Welcome into episode six of the Rising Champions podcast. I'm Kyle Bogie. We also have Dr. Jason Novetsky of the Champion Mindset Group. And Doc, this is uh, an exciting two-part series, actually, over episode six and episode seven. We were actually able to get on uh, Bob Krause, who was on the web.com tour. I guess now it's called the Corn Ferry Tour for you know a long period of time. Spent about nine years playing professional golf and stepped away to focus on other things and, and just teach the game of golf. And now he's back here locally and doing a lot with Channel 4. And he's actually on a journey of his own from a fitness, nutrition, and golf standpoint in an effort to make the Champions Tour and be competing on that. And so we're going to dive deeply into you know that conversation, the steps that it's going to take for him. Uh, so we're looking forward to that conversation. You'll hear part one right here on episode six. Episode seven, we'll get into part two. And of course, we'll take a look at uh, the Rocket Mortgage Classic that is coming up uh, in just over a week or so. But Doc, I, I wanted to kind of jump right in here on what we just saw in the final round of the RBC Heritage uh, down at Hilton Head. And that was, uh, of course, Sunday afternoon because something kind of jumped out to me and I, I almost texted you while it was going on. But I was like, you know what, this would be a great thing to talk about on the pod this week. And it was a lot of young guys. Okay, mm -hmm. out there in the final round, guys that are in contention, they're going low, they're playing really well, and then all of a sudden, it seems at a certain point they hit a roadblock. Like Joaquin Neiman got to, I think, twenty under. He was right there, a couple of more holes to go, and you know if he could have birdied one more, maybe the last two, he probably would have had a chance to potentially go to a playoff with Webb Simpson. He gets to the par three seventeenth, leaves it right, bad yeah. stance, gets it up, awkward bogey. And that was it really, because Webb Simpson kind of ran away with it. When you're dealing with that kind of pressure on that stage for the first time or the first few times, how much of a difference is that? And how hard is it to stay locked in? Kyle, it's uh, incredibly difficult. Um, <laughs> as we say, uh, obviously I'm not taking away anything from those guys. They, they battled it out. He was grinding. He's right there. Um, it, it, I'm not going to suggest for one moment that he choked in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, it was, it was one bad shot, that, you know, that might've put him in that situation, but certainly pressure gets to us. You know, there's that mind body connection that when we start worrying about the future or what this all means, um, you know, our, our brain is producing certain neurochemicals that are cascading through our body that tighten up our muscles, um, cloud our judgment a little bit. Um, we're not thinking 100% clearly and we make one simple mistake and, and it could cost us a tournament. So, you know, certainly he did an amazing job. Uh, he's a great player. They're all great players and somebody's got to win. Somebody's going to lose. And um, it just wasn't his time uh, for that particular one. And Webb Simpson, you know, clearly has a lot, lot more experience than he does and has won many more times. And uh, uh, so he was able to just kind of put the cap on it. See, and that's interesting because Webb Simpson for most of the day didn't have the putter going, you know, he right. just, he was right there. He was right of the, the cup, left of the cup, short, you know, a little deep. And then you, you saw the experience factor come in later on because he had, 
the huge birdie, you know, just below the hole on the par three 17. And then of course, you know, on 18, just playing it safely, making sure, you know, he got his two putt par uh, and was able to get to the clubhouse with the lead. How do you go from being a Joaquin Neiman, even being a Terrell Hatton, who I thought was really kind of fighting it all day and just trying to kind of grind out pars and all that, go from being that guy to being a Webb Simpson who has won now, I believe, seven times on the tour. And when it counts, making those putts to be able to finish. Yeah, well, obviously it's experience um, and, and preparation and hard work and all the cliches that you want to say. But, you know, they're cliches, but they're true. Um, you know, he's had that experience. So he's been there. And, and that's what I've talked about on the podcast is, is accepting the pressure and practicing with pressure. So, you know, he's experienced out there on the tour. But my guess is, you know, he puts himself under pressure when he practices. And the more our younger athletes that, that we have on this podcast do that, the more likely they're going to be able to overcome those thoughts and those nerves and those feelings when they're out there in a tournament situation uh, to overcome that uh, in that particular moment. I think another thing probably, and again, I don't know Webb Simpson. I didn't speak to him about it, but my guess is he accepted what was going on that day. Uh, he accepted maybe that the putter wasn't, you know, his, his best friend at the moment, but he's been there enough to say, okay, this is what's going on right now. I'm not going to make any drastic changes. I'm just going to work with what I have. You know, there's that old saying, you got to dance with the girl you brought to the dance. So this is what I've got today. And, and I'm going to have to play with the swing and the putting stroke that I have instead of fighting it and constantly making adjustments out there, which usually ends up uh, in a bad situation. He just went with it. He accepted it and he hung in there until it came around until he got his chance and he, and he made it work. You talk a lot about, about failure and, and, you know, things, obviously you, you tend to think about more of the things that you, you mess up on as opposed to some of the good things. And we're going to actually talk about that uh, with Bob when we get to the, the first part of his interview coming up here on the rising champions podcast. But um, how much, I guess, do you think you should be using or a player golf, any other sport should be using failing in a pressure pressure situation and thinking about that, and using it, you know, to be able to overcome it eventually, or is it something where forget about it, you got to just move on, but this is the time where you're going to lock in and get it done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I heard this many times. It's not about failure. To me, failure is quitting. Um, so even if you lose, I don't think you failed. I think you learned. So I think you either win or you learn. And, and that's the mindset I want my athletes to have is what did we learn from this situation? Yeah. Are we disappointed we didn't win? Absolutely. But are you going to beat yourself up because you didn't win? That's not going to get you anywhere. So let's talk about what successes do we have and what can we learn from this situation as well to help us grow? I think that's a healthier approach to take. All right. Well, without further ado, let's uh, go ahead and get to part one here with Bob Krause, who is uh, on his journey to be on the champions tour, you know, hopefully, you know, this time next year and be competing out there and living out uh, a dream that he's had for a very long period of time. We want to thank you guys too, uh, for listening into the first five episodes of the rising champions podcast, please download, subscribe, share, uh, you know, give us feedback, uh, rate it, you know, all of that. Uh, again, you can find it on any streaming platform that you may use. Uh, but with that, here we go. Part one of our uh, interview with Bob Kraus. All right. Well, really excited to have Bob Krause with us here on the Rising Champions podcast. Of course, Dr. Jason Novetsky of the Champion Mindset Group with us as well. And, you know, the focus here is rising athletes and athletes that are on the come up. And this is a very unique situation here because, Bob, you'll see him on Channel 4. 
You'll see him teaching, you know, certainly uh, plenty of golfers in and around the area, how to improve their game, how to get better. And Bob himself uh, on a journey here uh, in many different ways, trying to get to the champions tour. And Bob, I, we've had a chance to chat outside of the podcast a little bit, and I find your story fascinating. So I, I guess, can we start by going back a little bit before we get into kind of what, what is going on now and your early career, how you got into golf, why you, you kind of veered away from it a little bit before we get into why you're going back. Yeah. Thanks Kyle. So um, yeah, real quickly um, I played um, right around nine years, professional golf uh, from Hooters tour to web.com to Ben Hogan tour, went to tour school a couple of times. Uh, came up with Zach Johnson, Chad Campbell, um, you know, those kind of guys that are, that are still kind of out there, you know, obviously Zach's one of the masters and that kind of thing. We all kind of came up together and um, I was about 22 when I started, finished when I was about 31. And, um, you know, it's kind of a journeyman pro lived out of my car when I was on the road and um, saved off enough money to, or I, I teach and then I go, you know, save up enough money, pay my rent, thing, then enter a tournament. And I do okay. I survived out there for just about nine years. And um, it was a journey that um, that that I, I don't regret at all. Um, I learned a lot about myself and a lot about people. Um, I've got a book with VJ Singh, which you and I spoke about, uh, just a learning manual that I came up with. And, um, and that, it, that's kind of bridged me into Channel 4, and things of that nature. So it's been a really good process for me. Um, looking back now, sleeping in a Nissan Altima, <laughs> of course, and then showering, you know, at the clubhouse before and, uh, you know, each in the, eating, eating Nature Valley granola bars uh, for dinner and, and one one taco or one bean burrito every night because that's all the money I had. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was cool. I wouldn't recommend it for the, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was certainly a great learning experience. Well, see, see, and most people will go, oh man, he's a pro golfer. I mean, that's awesome. God, that has to be, you yeah. know, an unbelievable life. So I guess mentally, how did you balance, you know, wanting to pursue the dream while also, you know, you have to eventually start thinking about providing for yourself, providing for your family, having that sense of comfort. I got to believe you were paid not maybe as much in money, but you were paid more so in experiences. And at a certain point that kind of has to flip and start to go the other way. Yeah. So what, you know, I, it took me about seven and a half years, eight years before I really got my big break. And I signed a, a like a two year deal with a company called Thomas sign and awning out of uh, St. Pete, Florida. I signed like a half million dollar deal. And that was uh, right around about two, three months later, nine 11 happened. And uh, in my contract, there was like an accident clause that was like, you know, like, uh, I don't know how to put it, but it was like something of nature, you know, they could, they could pull the sponsorship. A catastrophic event or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly what it was named. And, um, you know, they were worried about paying their employees. They were worried about, you know, what's going to happen. So they kind of pulled the plug on it and I gave it one more try. Um, I qualified for the Canadian Q school. Uh, went there, got some contingent status, but I didn't have enough money to, to, to survive anymore. And like you said, I, you know, I didn't want to be a 45 year old guy delivering pizzas. So I said, I better do something. <laughs> so I started teaching full time, um, you know, up in Michigan and that kind of thing. And, and uh, just developed my own, my own niche as far as my style of teaching. And, uh, and that just grew into what it is today. 
Bob, it's good to see you, and it's great to have you on, on the Rising Champions podcast. And, and you and I met years ago when uh, my partner, Dr. Jared Wood, and I, we did some seminars for you and your students uh, uh, on the mental game. And I just want to build off what, what Kyle asked in terms of, you know, balancing uh, the mental game, the physical game, and life, and, and maybe your philosophy on teaching young golfers, too, before we get into your story about the Champions Tour, but very interested in, in your advice and thoughts about what young golfers are going through now, because there's so much more I think competition even when you played for their age group at these days absolutely so you know I use the kiss method right keep it simple stupid <laughs> so so um you know and I've got a really easy knack and Jason you and I have played and Kyle hopefully you and I and Jason will play soon um I I, I just have a knack of seeing what needs to change easy or, or quickly I should say and then give you something that is very precise on what I want you to do and I try to relate it to like everyday things. Like if you, you know, some of my tips are like, if you can't release it, you know, I want you to, you know, basically flip a pancake where you, where you feel like that, right. If you're going to flip a pancake, you wouldn't, you wouldn't flick it towards your face. You'd, you'd roll it over towards, you know, towards the left side of the burner. So, you know, there's, there's simple techniques that I use to try to get people to understand the movement pattern. Right. Because as you know, this is a probably the toughest game, uh, biomechanically that there is because it's slow movement patterns and slow movement patterns are the hardest to time because they're not reactionary. So, so if I can give you something that can relate to you um, in your everyday life, you can then bleed that over to your golf game. And, and, and in all reality, you don't, you're not going to work at it. You know, you have a job, you're not going to work at it. There's something that has to relate to you really fast you can say, oh, okay, that's what that's what Coach wants. That's what Bob wants. That's what Jason wants. It's, so there's something that has to relate to you very, very quickly for you to change it because it's so difficult to change anything in this game. Like Nick Felder used to say, you know, I would go see David Ledbetter and he'd get a lesson, and then he'd work on this one thing for two weeks. He'd work, 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 and it changed an inch. <laughs> Am I going to expect, you know, the amateur that's not going to work at this thing five hours a day, then go play? There's no way that you're going to be able to do that at a high level or the level that you want to get to. It might be two strokes a year. It might be, you know, one stroke a year, but you've got to be able to keep it really simple. Yeah. Bob, I want to get into what's, what's coming up next for you and, and the work we're doing together. But first I think the, the way the decision was made for you to make the chase towards the PGA champions tour was quite amazing. I think you told me a little bit about how you were at a, um, a pro-am day, I think at, uh, up at Warwick Hills. Uh, if you could maybe fill in the gaps there for that story, when you were playing with David Frost and some other big name golfers. And when someone said to you, Hey, you can do this. Well, to, to back up a little bit before sure. that, Jason, you and I are Dr. Jason. Um, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you make everyone feel so calm. You're, you know, you don't have to, you know, and I played golf with you several times now and the guy never gets upset. So, I mean, he, 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 he does what he's preaching. So that's, that's the biggest thing um, to back up to, to this before, you know, I'm Mickey Redmond's a mentor of mine and you know that. And, um, he, you know, I've known him for about 10 years and for some reason he and I met at a golf tournament, a charity event. And, you know, we just struck up a friendship. It just happened organically. And for two years, Mickey's been telling me, you know, you've got the talent, you've got the talent, you got the talent. And, and I'm just like, you know, Mick, it's just so, it's a, such a hard grind and it's, it's so difficult. And he goes, well, you don't want to, um, you know, 
go through life and be 55 years old and think you can do it then you, you've got an opportunity i'll help you um so he's been he's been kind of chirping at me for two years and i just ignored it right and then uh, good, another good friend of mine joe vacari from andiamo and the joe Muirs, invited me to play in the pro-am a couple of years back and at the ally challenge and i thought you know mickey's been yelling at me for about a year and a half now and when he, mickey yells at you you uh yeah, Matt, that's a very endearing love sign, just so you guys all know. <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't yell at you, he doesn't like you. So um, I thought, you know, I'm going to focus a little bit. I'm going to actually hit a couple buckets of balls before I go play in this tournament throughout the week and see what shows up. And lo and behold, I shot uh, 200 par, and I beat the golf pro. I, I played with David Frost, and, um, you know, David was eye-opening, and it was eye-opening for him. He's like, you know, where have you been? What have you been doing? How can you do this? You know, I go – I literally hit two buckets of balls two days ago to get ready for this, just to see if I could mentally get through this challenge. And uh, I proved it to myself. And then a week after well, I got done with the tournament, I called Mick and I said, all right. I said, if you're willing to, you know, do what you say you're going to do, which is bring in the Red Wings nutritionist, uh, Lisa McDowell and the trainers uh, from 2SP, Joe Neal uh, and Dennis Oshetsky, um, you know, I'll commit to this. So, I committed that. Then he could, then Mickey calls Marla over at WDIV and says, you know, Hey, I've got this story, you know, we better get this thing going. So that's how it kind of turned into the documentary. Uh, Steve Garagiola got involved, turned into the documentary called chase of the champions tour. And, um, and then I was doing, I'm doing really well. I lost 45 pounds. And then I think Dr. You tried to reach out to me before and I did not get the message. And then I was, I forgot what I was doing, but I was feeling kind of down. I think I was hitting some golf balls. They weren't where I needed them to be. And I knew it wasn't physical at this point. Right. So I reached out to you and you were gracious enough to, um, you know, bring me in as a part of your team. So now I've got this group of people that are behind me. And now David Frost jumped on the advisory team. So I've got David, I've got Dr. Novetsky, I've got Mickey Redman, I've got Joe Neal and Dennis, I got Lisa McDowell. So I've got this group behind me that is pushing me along. That's, that's kind of helping me um, be accountable for lack of a better term and, and make sure that I'm not, you know, eating the chips and, and, and drinking whatever I should not be drinking in, in excess and really paying attention to uh, taking me to the next level. So, if, I mean, if I had this back in the day, it would have been a, a game changer. And um, I'm very, very humbled and grateful. This is actually, you know, happening now. You have uh, obviously an unbelievable support system and people that are in your corner and, and pushing you and, and mentoring you and all that. Do you, do you hear the, I guess the chirps of how old are you and you're trying to do what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the opposite end of it. And is that something maybe that kind of drew you to, to Dr. Novetsky just going, man, I, you know, I, I should believe in myself more. I forget, you know, everyone else. I do need to just be focusing on, on what I can do. I know I can get this done. Yeah, then that's I have, I have a very high tolerance of not caring what people think about me. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but I Same have uh, exactly. So I think, uh, but I have a very um, uh, inner demon, right? I've got inner demons and some doubts, and um, I knew that I had to get rid of those doubts, otherwise I had no chance. It, it's it, it, in all reality. So um, it, it's really helped me open up a lot in just my everyday life, where I look at things and I'm like. You know, uh, I got to stay in the moment more. And Dr. Novetsky really says that. And 
and I didn't realize, you know, when I'm playing with David Frost and other guys on the, on the champions tour, you know, David would say to me all the time, stay in the moment, stay, you need to stay in the moment, you need to stay in the moment, but it didn't really hit. Like it, it, it's not explained to you. What does that mean? It's like, don't move your head in the golf swing. Well, okay. My head is so it's, it's so random. It's arbitrary, right? It's this big globe up here. Literally my head is very large, but <laughs> uh, so I always tell someone don't go to the right. And all of a sudden they say, okay, fine. I cannot go to the right. That's easier for me to kind of relate to instead of my whole head. So, so, so Dr. Jason made it to the point where he's like, hey, what does stay in the moment mean? Like, what is it? I don't even understand. It's so arbitrary. Like, how do how do, how do I identify what that really means? Like stay in the moment, what sit in the curtain, you know, put my left foot in here, but no, it, it means, you know, there's some things that I want to bring up too that Jason uh, taught me a couple weeks ago on a golf course that helped me incredibly. But to get back to Dr. Uh, Jason, uh, his style is, is so calm as you can tell uh, Kyle throughout these podcasts you've done with him. And he just puts it in a way that says you're accountable for your actions, but here's how I need you to approach them. And, and it's really worked well for me, um, for my golf, for sure. And for my life in general. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate that, Bob. It's humbling to hear that as well. Um, you know, and Kyle, what we talked about a lot was first and foremost is, is understanding Bob's why, like, why did he want to do this? And I think that, you know, some of those inner demons that we had to kind of process on what, what was the purpose of this, uh, this chase that he's, he's taking on, which is an incredibly public journey as well. So that's another layer that, you know, that he has to deal with because everybody's watching. Uh, and one thing we talked about is, you know, you need to do this for yourself um, and nobody else. You know, you have this, this fire in your belly that you need to, to quell. And, and this is the way it needs to be done because as he said earlier, and Nick said to him, you don't want to look back and have regrets. Um, and so let's, let's go all in, uh, and let's have all these people support him. Um, uh, because I think that's a good message for young people too, that you gotta, you can't do this yourself. Uh, you need a team around you to support you and, and keep you on the right path. And as Bob said, keep you accountable. Uh, so when we get back to, you know, the, on the course stuff though, being in the moment, it's about focusing on the task at hand. And instead of just telling people to do that, you know, you have to teach people how to do that. And, and the way you do that is uh, real strategic. It's about having good routines. It's about uh, planning ahead and being mentally prepared uh, for all possible distractions. Uh, and, and I think those are the things that begin the process of keeping a person in the present mo moment and focusing on one shot at a time. Because, you know, as Michael Jordan said, and we talked about this before on the podcast, why worry about a shot you haven't taken yet? And why worry about something that's already happened that you can't go back and change? So let's just focus on what do we need to do right here, right now? Execute that calm, cool, collected, and whatever happens, accept the result and move on to the next shot. Uh, and as Bob said, you know, I don't get angry out there. You know, I get disappointed. And I think every golfer and every athlete gets disappointed. But then the second you introduce a lot of emotion into anything, uh, it, make, it makes you weak. And, and that's when things start to fall apart. And I think Bob's starting to realize that. And uh, he's getting really good at it, too. I mean, I've been out there with him. He's getting great at it. I, I, it helps me identify the moment coming, right? So, um, and it helps me deal with it. You know, one of the things that Jason told me the other day was, you know, because I look at him, you know, like he's like, like he's my teacher, he's my coach, he's my, he's a mentor. So, like, we got done playing a couple times, and I said, uh, you know, how did I do? Did I pass the test? Did I, you know, like, like I'm looking for approval, right? So, 
every great, every athlete needs to kind of have someone they, they, they can say, Hey, listen, I passed this test mentally, but, you know, physically I can get it right. Every, we can all get it physically. If we put the time in uh, mentally is a whole other level. So, you know, he said, you know, after I shot, I think seven under par or something like that with you, Jason, at, at mm-hmm. the first time we played. That, that's it. Yeah. Only, only seven under par. Yeah, right. <laughs> like three putted twice. So it could have been oh, more. <laughs> but I didn't get upset. So that's the key. <laughs> and uh, to do that with Jason uh, in the group where, you know, at the point, I, and it's going to sound arrogant, but I'm really not being arrogant. If I shoot 65, in a tournament or not in a tournament where it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't really mean anything. Right. But when I shoot 65 with, you know, the guy that's going to mentally get me to the next level, that means something to me because that, that means I cared enough to focus and get to the next point and really put into practice what he wanted me to do. And there's something, there's a key thing that he, and he'll remember what he said. And, and I think it was actually after a shot you didn't like, and I asked you something and I shouldn't have done that. I should have waited, but you said just right before you hit a golf shot, you need to say, trust it. And that right there, what he said there, it stuck in me since then. And I haven't, I haven't been, my next two rounds were 67. And my last, I think I shot 200 part the other day. I've been like minus 17 or 18 over my last four or five rounds. And I'm just standing, I'm, getting the information I'm gathering the information in the pre-shot routine, which Jason will talk about that is crucial to developing a good golf swing. If you don't have a, a good golf game, if you don't have a pre-shot routine, you really don't have a whole lot of it. Um, but right before I get behind the golf ball, I get all my stuff and I, and I, I'm meaning my stuff, my yardage, my, where I want to hit it, the wind direction. And if I say, trust it, I stay calm. And that's what, one of the reasons why you see this hat is because if I get upset, I just, you know, I kind of lift my hat or I take the hat off and look at it and it kind of brings me back into a happy place for lack of a better term. But that really helped me um, really solidify a lot of mental practices that I, I still have to overcome a lot of, you know, I played for in a match the other day that, that meant something and I played well, but there was like three or four shots that I wanted back really bad. And I, and I look back at those now and I thought, you know, I, I let, my body down because my brain got in the way. And, and I, I really, I really could have executed those shots, you know, a hundred times out of a hundred, if I just would have got out of the way and not thought about result. And, and I started thinking result oriented oriented instead of, instead of staying in, in the moment. And, you know, it, it really helps. All right. That'll do it for part one. Uh, talking with Bob Krause here on the rising champions podcast on um, part two, We'll get more into what Bob has to do to be able to qualify for the Champions Tour and, of course, get his thoughts on the PGA Tour resuming and what we can expect from what is going to be a packed major schedule coming up this fall. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.